When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard Productions podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Happy to say that I am joined by Vish Kumar. And what's up, Vish? What's up, Rob? We had a little bit of a delayed start with me trying to create and download a thumbnail in record amount of time. Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel faster than Vist made that thumbnail. But whatever, we are here now and we are grateful for all of you and for your patience. I want to give a shout out to all the YouTube channel members. Thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. I hope that more people choose to sign up. If you do want to sign up, by the way, $2.99 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. You have to do it on the actual website itself. I guess not every YouTube channel lets you sign up on your phone for whatever reason, at least not on iOS. So people have reached out to me. Your best bet is to just do it on the actual website. I know that's a pain, but I just want to let people know. You got, you got to tell people these things, Bish. I know, I know, I know. I know you got to explain these things to everybody these days. But look That's at right. you, fresh off of, I got to mention it for everybody because you're, you're not doing enough self-promoting here. What did you do last night, Rob? So last night I hosted game night on ESPN radio from 10 p.m. Eastern to 1 a.m. Eastern. Uh, myself and Matt Fontana hosted it and I left my headphones in the damn studio and I'm not happy about it. I, I like these better, actually. The other ones are a little too big. Yeah, that's what everybody says. Us radio people. I'm an old radio man, so we like the big cans. Um, <laughs> but on today's show, we're going to get into a couple of things. One thing, and this is where the title came from, I think that Trey Lance can save Kyle Shanahan from himself a little bit, and I'll explain what I mean going forward. Also, we heard from Steve Wilkes, finally, as a member of the 49ers. He had some interesting comments on uh, Drake Jackson and Javon Kinlaw. Did you just take a giant swig out of a Gatorade cooler like you're playing linebacker for the Niners? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I have one of these Gatorade water <laughs> bottles. I really enjoy the size and I enjoy the squirting of the water. I didn't expect to take the swig on camera so obviously for you to wow. point it out. I just wanted some water, man. I'm thirsty. You got to keep the vocal cords nice and hydrated. Stay refreshed. That's literally like there was an injury timeout during the show and Vic had to <laughs> somebody come out and get the water. All right. Uh, we'll get into the Wilkes comments and, and maybe some things that Matt Barrows pointed out about rookie practices. But let's start with the big one. And that's why I think that Trey Lance should start for the 49ers in week one, completely separate from Sam Darnold or anyone else on the roster. And the reason is this. Kyle Shanahan is not good early in the season. He is not good at all. He has consistently struggled in six week one games with the Niners. He's two and four. And more than that, the offense is bad. They score less than 17 points a game in week one. And that's whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo, a quarterback, whether it's Trey Lance, whoever it is, they don't score very much in week one. And I think Lance needs to start because if Kyle's off his game, 
and he doesn't quite make the perfect calls or anything like that, Trey's feet can bail Kyle Shanahan out. Is that fair? Kind of, because I understand the greater point you're making, right? And I think it goes further, right? Because you can maybe say, well, maybe Jimmy Garoppolo starts slow. Well, no, Shanahan's offense is in the 15 years he's been a play caller, um, have averaged less than 20 points per game offensively week one. So it's not been good. I mean, you look at the Niners' history of week one performances against him. They were overmatched against Carolina in 17. The 18 game, I, I majority put on Jimmy Garoppolo, but the Niners didn't play that well. And probably the biggest mistake in that game that was a non-Jimmy Garoppolo mistake was the Solomon Thomas. He jumped off sides mm-hmm. on third and five, which basically ended the game and didn't give the Niners a chance to get the ball back, I think, to either tie or win. I think it was either 23-16 or 24-16, something in there. So um, that you had that game. Then the 19-game, Rob, was really, really close and really, really ugly until Jameis Winston threw those two pick sixes back-to-back to let the Niners pull away. The 2020 game, the COVID game, oh, my God, with DeAndre Hopkins catching those 14 balls. That was disgusting. <laughs> that was disgusting. The 21 game against the Lions was actually their best offensive performance. Yep. And even that, they took their foot off the gas, and you had George Kittle go full-on Brandon Bostick, and the Lions came back in that game and all of that. And I think Drake Greenlaw also had a pick six. So I think they scored 34 offensively in that game. And then finally, you yep. had last year, which they lost to the worst team in football, right? They lost to the worst team in football. So it's not been a good showing from them week one. It's not been a good showing from Shanahan. The reason – I am skeptical, Rob, of Trey Lance necessarily solving the problem. While I understand your point is just because I saw last year and I felt like he did use his legs a lot last year. And I didn't feel like he played poorly in that game. I didn't think he played great, but I didn't think he necessarily played poorly. And it didn't really bail them out against the worst team. Now, I was at that game. The weather was disgusting. Like the fourth quarter, the monsoon that was coming down, it sucked to sit through, let alone to watch what actually (laughs) resulted in the game. But It was horrible from that standpoint, but nevertheless, that was the worst team in football. The Niners were way, way more talented than the Bears. They should have won that game. They didn't win that game. And I I, I felt like even Lance's legs being this added asset to the offense didn't necessarily uh, allow them to overcome their normal week one issues with timing and rhythm and repetitions and all of those kinds of things. So I get what you're saying. Like the offense was not thrilling last year, but I put it on the monsoon more than anything else. Uh, Flav's son watching on YouTube says, wait, I thought Sam Darnold was the week one starter. Yeah, he very well could be. But what I'm saying is I think Lance should should be the week one starter for a variety of reasons, including the one I said today that I think he can use his legs to bail him out. My hope is that Trey will get better as the game has gone along because that is what he has done consistently when he has started, except in Chicago, right. the further the game went along, the worse the weather got. So I felt like we didn't really see that. But the Shanahan week one struggles, I think it comes from, we could still see you, so don't just take the drink of the water bottle. It's fine. Um, I think the struggles for Shanahan come because his greatest asset is seeing what you do and then knowing exactly how to counter it and hurt you for doing it. But he doesn't know what you're going to do in week one because you haven't done anything. There's no evidence yet. You've got all offseason to cook up your schemes of what you're going to do. Right, they adjust to it. And we have seen, we have heard the 49ers after games and losses especially say, hey, they came out 
and did something different that we weren't expecting. Right. And that's generally when they've had their struggles. So I think that week one is, is difficult for Kyle because he just, he can't use his greatest weapon. I a hundred percent agree. I think that's one, the adjust to the adjustments. And I think it allows him to then figure out, it takes him a few weeks to be like, okay, this is what teams have cooked up this offseason to stop yep. this offense. Okay, this is what they're trying to do to us. This is what I need to do to stop it, whether it's move Debo Samuel to running back, whether it's trade for, you know, a future Hall of Fame type talent in Christian McCaffrey. It's those type of things that he does. I think there's actually a second point to it, Rob, and it's one I just came up with in the shower earlier this morning when I was <laughs> thinking about this show today. Um and I think the second theory I have is just the details that go into this offense. It's a very intricate and detailed offense that requires everybody working together and everybody having repetitions and not mm -hmm. thinking on what they have to do. And I think to get to point the point of not thinking, it takes a certain amount of repetitions that the shortened practice schedules, the abbreviated training camps that don't match the you know training camps of before – don't allow them to get. And it feels like the Niners who also don't play a lot during preseason and all of that. It feels like September is kind of their preseason where they go through getting those reps and ironing out the minor details on the offense that, you know, they might not have been able to iron out over camp because of the lack of repetitions, which brings me to my actually point that I, I am more enthusiastic to talk about i i think their week one matchup this time is a doozy i think it's a horrible matchup for them in pittsburgh when we talk about these two issues week one. First of all pittsburgh when you include mike tomlin and you say a guy who's never had a losing record in the nfl and you know they're gonna be a home underdog week one okay. to me that that's threatening but you you leave that alone and you say well pittsburgh two years ago they beat buffalo at buffalo week one and they made josh allen look really bad Last year, they beat they beat Cincinnati at Cincinnati week one. And I know Evan McPherson missed the kick, but even then they, you know, caused five turnovers. They sacked Joe Burrow seven times. They picked him off four times. TJ Watt was a menace in both of those games. So they're a very, they've pulled off two upsets week one. And I'm going to tell you why they pull off that upset. It's because I think their defense is difficult to prepare for week one. They blitz a lot. They're very multiple with their fronts. It's not necessarily something that, you know, you could over the course of trading camp, if you're not fully ready with your offense where everything is detailed, everybody's ready to go, everybody knows their assignments, you've ironed everything out. It's very difficult then to play a team like Pittsburgh that blitzes a lot. Like, it's very difficult, in my opinion, to do that week one. And therefore, I think it's a tough matchup. The Niners are going to be coming off of their quarterback competition in camp. I think it's a bad matchup for either quarterback. Their offense isn't that good week one. And look, I know people are saying, well, what's on Pittsburgh's offense? Well, I think Pittsburgh's offense will be better than it was the last two years week one. Because I think Kenny Boy, is better that than a Trubisky low bar. and better That's than Big Ben. And I, well, yes, I agree. I agree. And look, Chicago's offense isn't good at all. They managed to score enough. Detroit's offense two years ago wasn't that great. They scored 30, what, 38? Yeah, Niners but they also one. needed an onside kick to do it. The end of that game was two onside fluky. kicks, right? Two. Right. Uh, no, I don't think it was two. Oh, but... it was just George Kittle on the one going Brandon Bostic. <laughs> the end of that game was weird. Uh, Larkin, by the way, says given his treatment of the quarterback position, I think Kyle Shanahan's dream is to be the first non-player Super Bowl MVP. I totally agree. If he could find a way to do it, he absolutely would. Um, Jeez. Look, I get that Pittsburgh is difficult. I get that their defense is good. I fully acknowledge that, okay? 
How are they scoring? And you can say, well, the Bears scored enough. I think they too. score on defense, though. The Bear, uh, the Steelers don't have Justin Fields, okay? And they don't have him making a ridiculous play off fair, schedule fair. where he scrambles fair. out, avoids pressure, throws all the way across the field to Dante Pettis. Like, that was a fluke play, okay? I've seen the 49ers turn the ball over against Mike Tomlin Steelers five times and right. win. Why? Because the 49ers defense is really freaking good. And they're, guess what? Their defense is still really freaking good. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not going to be easy. But am I sitting here quaking in my boots because Mike Tomlin has never finished under 500? No, that's such a stupid. Who cares? Who cares if you don't finish under five? Like, he gets so much credit for that. I'm it, so tired of hearing is, that. The point is, they're going to be a good, pretty good football team, right? That's what we expect. They're going to be, if you're over 500 or around 500, you're going to be right in the borderline of the playoff conversation, which means you're right in the average to above average. You're not a pushover football team. You're playing at home with a strong home field advantage against with the Niners who are historically not been good week one. We've established that in the conversation. I've also yep. established Pittsburgh has been good week one because they beat two Super Bowl contenders back to back the last two week ones. I think it's a bad matchup, and I think it's an extra bad matchup for whichever quarterback. I think that's what I'm getting to, right? I saw Josh Allen play poorly just because it's a tough defense to match up with week one. I saw Joe Burrow play poorly just because it's such a tough defense to prepare for and match up with week one. I think whoever wins this quarterback competition, and by the way, Rob, I'm skeptical of quarterback competitions in general. I was on Ryan Hensley's show last Friday talking about this exact topic. Shout out to Ryan. Um, I, I've never seen it work, Rob. Usually what ends up happening in these quarterback competitions is the guy who wins it starts and the moment he plays bad, everyone clamors for the other guy and mm -hmm. the other guy comes in and he's not good enough either. And neither of them are the guy that that's kind of how it always plays out. It did work for Seattle last year. Gino was outstanding. It did work for Seattle 10 years ago with Russell Wilson and Matt Flynn. Russell Wilson turned out to be outstanding. But besides that, I know people will then be like, oh, my God, look at Rodgers and Favre. That was a quarterback controversy, not a competition. Right. As long as Favre was there, it wasn't He's like the they starter. were competing. He was the starter. And so yeah. there's a big distinction there. And so I'm skeptical of that. And then you let alone you have all this pressure. We know about the tension with Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster that, you know, surrounded Trey Lance after week one against the Bears. Mm -hmm. I just feel like it's a tough matchup for whichever quarterback ends up winning this competition, Rob. And I foresee some tension, some, you know, an issue where whoever wins it, if they don't look good week one against Pittsburgh, which I'm telling you, I don't think any of them will look good week one just because it's a bad matchup and they made two quarterbacks that we named, you know, top five-ish quarterbacks in the NFL look very bad week one. I think it's a bad situation from that standpoint. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Corey Soto says, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Kyle Shanahan thinks he can win with Purdy while also believing Lance can be the one to fulfill the system's potential. Yeah, I do. I think Kyle thinks he can win with anybody, uh, including Lance, including Purdy. Um, I just, I'm not as scared about the Steelers. I'm just not with this 49ers team. By the way, shout out to Larkin, new YouTube channel member. Appreciate that. Welcome to the family. Um, Let's throw it up though, because, okay, week one is tough. Like we both said, clearly we acknowledge the Steelers defense is really good. Okay. But the nice thing is if you look after that, right? If you can get through week one, there's a soft landing because you go Rams, Giants, Cardinals. Let's say whoever it is scuffles a little bit in week one. There's enough there the next three weeks to where you can get your feet under you. If you can just get through week one unscathed, you know, or or decent, maybe you can eke out a win, whatever. Then weeks two, three, and four, you're in good shape. Oh, hundred percent. I think you're in good shape up to week eight against Cincinnati. Uh, Dallas is the only tough game in that stretch to me. I think the giants are pretty good. They don't have enough talent on their edges and size on their edges yet to mm-hmm. be able to deal with the 49ers run game. Arizona, no chance without Kyler Murray. Oh, my no God. No chance. <laughs> Dallas is a good team that got better, I think, by adding Mozzie Smith in the draft because they don't have a lot of size in their offensive line. But the Niners have kind of owned Dallas in back-to-back years, so you would like that matchup. Cleveland's interior defensive line sucks. One of the worst in NFL history. They got no chance at stopping the Niners run game. Vikings, yeah, I think the Niners would beat them pretty handedly as well. I guess going to Minnesota, going to Cleveland, maybe. And then Cincinnati will be a tough game. And then you go into the bye, and then there's a tough stretch out the bye. The Niners beat the Bengals the year since he went to the Super Bowl in Cincinnati. True. True. So Much drive we- from Jimmy G, huh? Well, and Robbie Gold, I think it was Robbie Gold, missed what should have been the game-winning field goal in regulation. Yes. So they yes. had to go to overtime. Brandon Ayuk made a hell of a freaking play that he gets no credit for. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a great play. Absolutely. So there was a soft landing. And by the way, uh, Dynamite Dave, didn't Cleveland just get a pass rush? Yeah, they Minnesota? got Darius Smith. Their pass yeah. rush has always been good on the edges. It's the interior defensive line. They can't stop the run. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, at worst... At worst, the 49ers should be three and one to start the year. With I mean, any of the quarterbacks, right? Right. Even right. Well, yeah. not with Darnold. Not with Darnold. With not Darnold, with Darnold? They could easily okay. lose anything. I'm gonna say with any of the quarterbacks. Uh I with Darnold, uh, like there's no game he can't lose for you. So and that's honestly how I feel about <laughs> look, him. Look, Rob, Rob, I've changed my opinion on Darnold. Darnold won a game. Five for 15, <laughs> throwing for 60 yards and two interceptions last 43 year. You're yards. telling me there's – how many yards did he throw for? 43. 43. <laughs> I gave him 17 yards too many. If he won that game, Rob, with the Panthers, you're telling me that he's going to lose one of these games with the 49ers? Yep, because the Niners are not going to run that well early in the season. The Panthers were steamrolling people on the ground last year. It was pretty impressive. Um but when you turn the ball over, like I just talked about that Steeler game, right? The 49ers mm-hmm. turned it over five times. That's why the Steelers were in the game. Like when you turn it over, that changes everything. That is the great equalizer of all equalizers. So, yeah, if it's Purdy or if it's Lance, they should be three and one at worst. With Darnold, 
who the hell knows? <laughs> Here's the thing about the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys, while they added some good personnel, they got rid of Kellen Moore. They brought in Brian Schottenheimer, and Mike McCarthy is going to call the plays. Ugh. If I'm a Cowboy fan, I would be utterly disappointed in that. Mike McCarthy's offense is from like 2007. He hasn't updated it. That's the whole reason he got canned out of Green Bay. And it's the whole reason when he came to Dallas, they didn't run his stuff. They ran Kellen Moore's stuff. Now he's going to be the guy in charge? No, thank you. I'm out on the Cowboys. Look, I just, but I, I just look at the talent on Dallas's roster. I think Dan Quinn's a great defensive coordinator, and I think their defense is going to be really good. I just, I just can't see... It's not that I believe so much in Dallas, Rob. I just think their talent is greater to their competition, which is a crappy NFC. The other thing I'll mention, Rob, is as much as we expect three and one, six and one, seven and one, that kind of start looking at this on paper, it doesn't seem to come to fruition with this football team on any year besides 2019, right? True. We expected a pretty strong start in 2020 as well, or 2020, yeah. And it was not a pretty strong start. Of course, everybody got injured. We expected a pretty strong start in 2021. They started 2-0, and and then things went downhill pretty fast. And they ultimately stopped the bleeding at 3-5 and and took off and had a great finish to that season. Last year, we accepted a strong start. And there were some ugly losses like at Atlanta, at Denver, at Chicago. Those were three teams that picked in the top 10 or had top 10 picks at the end of the draft. And the Niners started 3-3. and so I, I think there is it is a little disconcerting that that remains an issue that the Niners feel it seemingly in every season blow a few games to teams that they have no business losing to. That yep. seems to be their MO. In fact, I was thinking about it right now that you put the schedule up like as much as I'm looking at the losses thinking like, damn, they might lose one of those when they have to play back to back at Seattle at Philly. That's just a really tough ass cross country and all of that. There's a better chance with this football team, the way they get up to play every all good those. team, they <laughs> win the team games against the really good teams and the yeah. losses that we're not anticipating. Like we're looking at Arizona and the Niners blow a game to Arizona. We have seen the Niners lose to an Arizona backup quarterback before. Just throwing that out there. Uh, sign me too on Twitch. My Twitch page is at stats on fire. If you don't follow me there. It says we won two playoff games, scoring one offensive touchdown with Jimmy Garoppolo. Would Darnold be that much worse? Yes, he absolutely could be. Uh, to answer your question, Flav says the Niners should play starters a lot more in preseason. Come out ahead of other teams and win games early so we can rest guys at the end of the year. Why don't they to prevent injuries? That hasn't worked anyways. Yes, I think that is their primary reason. They do want to try and prevent injuries. It hasn't worked. Um, but I don't know. I mean, here's the thing. Let's say they they said, forget it, man. We're going to play these guys. And then they do get hurt. They're, you're going to kill them for playing the guys in the preseason anyway. I think Kyle looks at it like all I can do is try and keep them out of harm's way. And if they get hurt in the regular season, they get hurt in the regular season. But why, what are we gaining by George Kittle or Debo playing in the regular season? Are they going to be that much better? I don't know. Clearly Kyle has said no. At least that's the calculation that he's made. Yeah. I see Flav and Flav's son. I agree. I think (laughs) part of the issue as well, Rob, is if, if we look at it, by the time we get to preseason, the Debo Samuels, the George Kittles, the Dick Boses, they've committed they they've committed to that point with injuries as well. True. Yeah. And they've gotten injured later in the offseason. Nick Bosa had the quad thing a couple years ago, if you remember. No, a couple years ago he was recovering from the ACL. One of the years he had the quad thing. He had the ankle as a rookie. 
Um, so he's always had something small, minor. George Kittle has had the groin, the ribs, all those kinds of things. Debo's hamstring is always there. So they always are trying to protect these guys. I agree with you. And I don't think that that's always the best indicator because the Rams play as less as anybody um, throughout the preseason. And they've been pretty fast starters under Sean McVay for the most part, actually. So I don't think it's just that. I think it's just the details and they're not really expecting getting what they're expecting from defenses. And Shanahan needs to know what he's getting to really take advantage of the genius of Shanahan, which is that he knows your defense so much that he can just make everything not work for you, even if you're doing everything you're supposed to be. And that kind of, in a weird way, aligns with what he said about Trey Lance, which was like, hey, we can't use the Trey package anymore because I don't know how defenses are going to play him. Except the only problem with that was that it was working when he was using Trey Lance. So he may not have known what was coming, but they were still doing what they needed to do when he was in there. But it does kind of line up with this idea that Kyle, he needs to feel like he knows what you're going to do to really attack you, which is a little weird, right? Like you're a great offensive mind. You clearly know how defenses work. You clearly know how to hurt them. You really have that much like problem designing a game plan to just attack rather than counterattack. That seems like a you would be able to make that leap, doesn't it? Yeah, and you would think with the Niners' talent, sometimes it's just, hey, we're just better than you. It doesn't really matter right. what the X's and O's, right? It's just schematically as good as we are. We have Debo, we have Ayuk, we have Kittle, and you don't have anybody that can stop them. So I agree with you, but it just seems to be the case, right? It seems to be the case. I think we've derived pretty fair reasons of why it's the case. But why does it happen? Gosh, it's inexplicable a little bit to me because I agree when you look at their talent, especially with how good their defense plays earlier in the year. Yep. Their defense is always awesome to start the year because that's when their defensive line is freshest and healthiest. And they somehow still point. Yeah, I don't know, Rob. I don't know. Well, let's talk about that defense a little bit because Steve Wilkes had his first press conference last week. And he talked up two players in the press conference. One is Javon Kinlaw, who I don't care what anybody says about Javon Kinlaw. I don't care if he's working out. I don't care if you can see him out your window or through a telescope or whatever. He's going to get hurt. Hurt guys get hurt. His knee is not going to be magically better all of a sudden. And so I, I dismiss the Kinlaw talk. But Drake Jackson, Steve Wilkes, said he has looked significantly bigger and more powerful. And that's important because Kyle Shanahan specifically said at the end of last year, he lost his power. So do you have high hopes for Drake Jackson in year two? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the number one thing for Drake Jackson is going to be, how does his body look right? If everyone says, I mean, we've seen the transformations in bodies, right? Remember mm-hmm. George Kittle year one, the year two, remember Fred Warner year two to year three, Fred Warner came back looking big, yep. big. Debo, Brandon Ayuk, Brandon Ayuk has already always been a pretty muscular guy, but he's clearly, you know, become a little bit stouter with his time in the NFL. So you see Aaron Banks, another body transformation. So to me, that's going to be the number one thing with Drake Jackson, because as as much as we could see the talent with the movement skills, the agility, the bend, the length of the player, it was also very obvious that he was a 20 year old. You know, because when you see him standing next to Nick Bosa and you see Nick Bosa as, you know, well-defined as anybody, 
Um, it's obvious that Drake Jackson still needed to get on that eating and weight plan. So if he makes the same body transformation, I'm extremely bullish on the prospect of Drake Jackson because he's being coached by the best and his talent is off the charts physically. Um, and then in regards to Javon Kinlaw, I'm also excited for Javon Kinlaw under one, uh. one kind of exception. Okay. Here's the contingency, Rob. If Javon Kinlaw spends this entire offseason with no knee issues, no rehabbing, all he does is practice and train, I think he can be a good player. Because I think the reason Javon Kinlaw has been stunted so far from when he's come in to right now, he's pretty much the same player, which is big, physically imposing, physically talented. When he plays low, he's really good just inconsistent and still not super polished technically because he never gets to train. He's always worried about doing a knee scope, ACL surgery, a knee cleanup, a knee this, a knee that, rehabbing his knee. And it's unfortunate because he's more worried about getting healthy rather than playing, right? I always bring up the George Quiddle quote. He doesn't get off-season surgery because he wants to train to get better. He doesn't want to rehab to, you know, recover. And so I, if, in that, if that's the case, I do believe in Javon Kinlaw again because I think he's being coached by the best, and the talent of the player is off the charts still, Rob. He's so talented. So why, I still believe in – Why would the knee hold up now? That's the contingency. I mean, so like you're in a fantasy land. If everything was perfect, he might be good, but he's just – he's not. Shout out to Jesse Naylor, Last Second Sports. What's up, y'all? Stats and I created a fake Twitter beef. That's totally true. And I'll take it to my grave, Jesse. Appreciate that. Flav's son says, Steve Wilkes is going to have this defense ball and can't wait to see it starting week one. The one thing that kind of surprised me is Wilkes said that he's going to stay in the booth. He's not going to be on the field. And that's different from Robert Sala and from D'Amico Ryans, who were both on the field. It kind of became a thing where the defense would make a play Right, you would shoot the camera to them. Yeah, and you see Salah or D'Amico just freaking out over there on the sideline, which I always enjoyed. Um, I'm kind of surprised because I feel like this defense kind of thrives on emotion and everything, and Wilkes is going to be, you know, above it all up in the booth. Surprising to you? Okay, so I have two two ways I'm looking at it. First, if I'm Wilkes' PR team, if I'm his agent, I'm telling him, get the F out of the booth. Because with the Niners, because Kyle is so, like, just uninteresting, I guess, to show because he's constantly just pacing up and down the sideline and just, like, staring into his play sheet. There's not much to show. Kind of the face of showing the sideline of the Niners has been showing the two handsome, jacked defensive coordinators (laughs) who are high energy, like, just look the part, right? And that was solid. That was D'Amico. And Wilkes does look the part, too. So it would be like you could cut, like, 10 great promos right there. And all of a sudden build great equity where an owner's watching TV and being like, I want that guy with that energy, you know? So Mm -hmm. if I'm his like PR team, like that's how you get him a head coaching job in terms of the energy of the defense. I don't think it really changes. Um, I never really saw Robert Sala or Debico rides do like the full huddle of the defense and like tell them to play with energy. It was almost like the Niners defense always brought their energy. And I think it's because they're, Best players, Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, always play with energy, always play really hard. They never don't bring it, and I think they feed off of that. And Hufanga is another player that brings infectious energy that they seem to feed off of. So I don't think energy will be an issue. I think the only issue of him not being on the sideline is that the Niners might keep their defensive coordinator for a little bit longer because he might not be able to cut the 20 promos to be why Steve Wilk should be your head coach 
exhibit a NBC showed him on camera six times <laughs> on the last, you know, Sunday night game celebrating. It's a really good point that that's a thing though. Like the owners see that when they watch, right. And, and you're, if you're an owner that's potentially looking for a new head coach and you keep seeing this guy pop up on the screen, all the players love him. The defense is playing out of their mind. Looks I the do, part. Yeah. I do think that has an effect. Now, again, I'm not saying that you can't be an effective coordinator from the booth because you, you clearly can. If it were me, I would want to be on the field. It's different when you're there. It's different. You're you're on the field. You can feel the energy. You hear things that even maybe coach or players might not want you to hear, but you just happen to be within earshot, and so you overhear it. I don't know. To me, it's different. Like you mentioned that I was hosting at ESPN Radio last night. Nowadays at ESPN Radio, almost everybody does this show from remote because not everybody lives in Bristol, Connecticut. I happen right. to live a half hour away. So when I've done shows there, I've driven to the studio and the the reaction from the production crew is like, I can't believe we actually have a host in studio. This is great. I can come and talk to you and face to face during the breaks. They like having a person down there with them on the floor. And yeah, I just told this story to brag a little bit. So what? Shut up. But the point <laughs> is they like to be there. They like everybody together. I'm surprised. Now, he says that uh, linebackers coach Johnny Holland is going to be sort of his on-field point of contact. So we'll see how that works out. Um, but I think your point about being shown on TV, it's different when you're on the field and you're in the middle of it with the guys. Whereas when they cut to that booth camera and you're just sitting there looking at your play sheet and looking at the film and all that. It depends. So I think that for somebody, that energy could be a good thing or they're feeding off the energy in the game. They like that feeling that in the moment that's they feed off of that adrenaline to make decisions on instinct. And then it could also be for somebody else where they like the privacy of the booth where they're just able to think clearly and, you know, do -hmm. the game like an examination where they're just completely focused on the job. They're not getting, you know, wavered by, Oh, this fan is doing this. And they're, this team is really vibing off of this. Like that might affect their decision-making because they might get, overly invested in the emotions that's going on away from them. So it could be a double-edged sword that way. And I think that whatever's best for Steve Wilkes ultimately is going to be best for the 49ers. So I I think this is generally a moot point other than the fact that Rob, I really think if he wants that head coaching job, I think that he's missing out by not being on the sideline to be shown on camera as many times as he can be. I, for the record, I'm not saying he's making a mistake. I'm just pointing out the difference. Um, but I do agree. The reason you go up to the booth is to escape all that stuff on the sideline, to not let it influence you, to try and keep things rational and objective. I completely agree with you. And some guys work better that way. Steve Wilkes strikes me as kind of a very cerebral guy who would want to be able to just focus on you know, his calls and what they're doing and how to adjust and not get caught up in all that other stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but that, I don't know. That was just a change to me. I didn't, hadn't thought of the, the angle that you thought of. So that was very good. The coaching angle. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get more news from rookie camp. Uh, I wanted to know about Jake Moody. Yeah. I, I was scouring the internet, looking for kicking videos of Jake Moody. Didn't did really you say- think Rob, did you think that with how polarizing the pick was, we wouldn't see anything but Jake Moody drilling the ball through the uprights. <laughs> true. That's true. Um, but I still wanted to see it, <laughs> right? Like I want to see it work an hour. I want to not stress about this pick as much. Um, there were a couple other observations. 
Matt Barrow said that uh, Cameron Latu looked a lot bigger than expected and like leaner and stronger. So that's kind of a cool thing. And that Jalen Graham looked much like a defensive end, which I thought was kind of interesting because he's sort of their just their last pick. They just took a flyer on because he was there. John Lynch basically uh, loved him. Right. Like he was like, well, it was either him or D winners. And then they were both there. So we grabbed him with our last pick. Um, but I wanted a little more from rookie minicamp. When we sometimes we get like throw by throw analysis, and we didn't even get like a Jake Moody kicking roundup. How many kicks did he make? How many kicks did he miss? Was there wind? Come on, people! I gotta know. Or usually we get like a player, right? I remember in 2017, everybody raved about George Kill. Like Sam Laporte is getting those reviews from Detroit yes, right now, where everybody was like, "Look," and. I remember by training camp, George Kittle was already the starting tight end with Garrett Selleck. And so Dre Greenlaw, another one, rookie mini camp, everybody was like, oh, my God, this guy's looking different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, sometimes we get those indications early, like that, oh, this guy's going to be a really great player because the media sees it right away in rookie mini camp. It didn't seem like anybody blew everybody away from that standpoint, but it, it didn't, we also didn't seem to get a lot of news in general, like you said. And I do enjoy the news as well. It's exciting. It's always exciting because now you imagine that the Niners just drafted, you know, seven, eight, nine, how many ever players they drafted of the next Hall of Fame batch that they're going to Right. Exactly. Uh, Grant Cohn did report that uh, who's the, there was an offensive lineman who was an unrestricted free agent, Joey, Joey Fisher, Fisher, and he couldn't make it through the practice. That's not a great sign, right? Like you got to be able to at least make it. Even if you don't perform great, just get through it. Um, but, you know, there's a reason some of these guys are undrafted. What else did Grant say? Grant it's have- tough, though. It's tough, though, because you can imagine the nervousness and the energy that might be coming in of your first practice. So that's mm-hmm. already sucking the energy out of you. Like you're probably so like geared up to go, you know, Rob, when you get really excited for any event, whether it's to host a show, whatever, where you feel really tired during it because you've invested all this energy with this buildup and hype that you've hyped yourself up to do it. And then you step out there and you're completely flat. You just don't have it. You don't have energy. It could have been a situation like that. I would love to see if this is a constant thing where he's unable to handle the practices. Cause then I agree with you. It's a bad look or if it's, Hey, the guy just, it was his first practice in front of the media. He was really amped to show himself off and show yep. everybody. And it just, oh, he just didn't have it that day. Another couple of things from Grant. Uh, he said that Jalen Graham looked lean and explosive, yeah. but he also said that D winners looked a little overweight and out of shape. So maybe we'll have to flip flop those two, uh, right. those two linebacker spots there. But, you know, granted, again, it's the first practice. Like, let's not draw any any conclusions. But I'm just so desperate for news. Like, I will literally take anything. Um, Grant also said Ronnie Bell. Was that intended, by the way? Granted, Grant also said. No, that was not. And you know it's not intended because I didn't say no pun intended. I hate when people do that. If you take (laughs) the time to say no pun intended, you clearly intended the pun. If you didn't, you don't even realize it. But anyway, uh, Grant also wrote that Ronnie Bell – uh, while looking like a college player, performed well, which I feel like that's going to be kind of what people think when they see Ronnie Bell. And shout out to him, because initially I had read that he was going to wear number 28, which is a hideous number yeah, for a wide gross. receiver. Apparently he has, he's now 10, so he's got the old Jimmy Garoppolo number. The old Kyle Williams number, the old Kendrick yeah. Bourne number. 
Don't say Kyle. Don't say that name to me. It's still too soon. Fair enough. Fair enough. You, you bo- old. Who else wore ten? I'm trying to think. There was a couple uh, other receivers had to be in my time. I don't know. Uh, Grant writes, <laughs> of course, Grant says Ronnie Bell made some circus catches. He clearly has excellent hand-eye coordination and no fear, which separates him from Dante Pettis, who alligator arm to pass over the middle during rookie minicamp in 2018. <laughs> Like, think about that. Dante Pettis How many was... times does he use that line to compare a receiver? I feel like, because I've read his training camp report since about 2018, and I think in 2019 he described Debo Samuel. He looks fearless and thin alligator in our Whoever, I, there was no rookie minicamp for a little bit. Wherever he saw Brandon Ayuk for the first time, I'm sure he mm-hmm. made that comparison. Danny Gray, whoever, I feel like. Because I remember Danny Gray lit it up in rookie minicamp last year, right? Did he? I don't remember that. I remember, wasn't that what was written? I don't know. I know we were all hyped about him when he caught that bomb from Lance against the Packers, and I was like, oh, my God, it's happening. But I just think it's funny that Dante Pettis misses one catch in 2018 in rookie minicamp, and Grant is never letting him hear the end of it. Oh, yeah, that's hilarious. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, we're so, so grateful for all your support. Everybody that signed up to be a member on the YouTube channel, we greatly, greatly appreciate, including a few people this show. That's always good to see. Nick R., thank you for joining the family. You get custom emojis, membership badges, priority comment response. So please, please sign up for that. And as always, rate, review, follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Vish, what are you doing the rest of the week? What do you got going on? I don't know, but I didn't stream last week after saying I was going to do this and that on this show last week. So I will say this. If you subscribe to my channel, you will find what I'm doing next on my YouTube community page. I usually post 24 hours in advance before I'm going to stream. I will be streaming sometime. Otherwise, I'll be here next week with one Rob Stats Guerrera, hopefully discussing. What do you think we'll be discussing by next week? What is your prediction on the news cycle over the course of the week? Well, Next Monday is the official start of OTAs. So we are going to, I don't know if they'll be going on while we're live doing our show, but like we're going to have the veterans will be there. The rookies will be there. So we're going to get, I guarantee you we'll get some Jake Moody news. Then we'll probably get some quarterback updates. Kyle Shanahan said, supposedly the Trey Lance looks the best he's ever looked. So we'll see. And and before we go, actually tell everybody what you told me about that, your reaction to Shanahan saying in the, um, Dwight Clark legacy series that Trey Lance looks the best he's ever looked. First, I'm excited, right? That's always great to hear. Um, I'm not so much as I need Trey Lance to start anti Sam Darnold as you. I'm kind of comfortable with whoever ends up winning this job. Terrible. But, but I, I do think that's great news. Second, I've just noticed that the new cycle with Trey Lance, the last two off seasons have been this way. And hopefully this offseason doesn't follow this trend. But early in the offseason, especially during the OTA times, whether it was his rookie year, um, whether it was last year, it sounds like he's playing great, right? It sounds like he looks great. He's mm-hmm. putting a lot of work in the offseason. Last year, they said he ripped it up in OTAs. That he, Everyone was saying he looked good. I remember Grant, in fact, was always offering context about his training camp when it was uneven that he was lighting it up in OTAs, and he didn't understand why – it was a little more uneven in training camp. Um, I remember, you know, OTAs was OTAs start of OT seeing him in OTAs. And then the start of training camp, Matt Mayoko said he was the best rookie quarterback he'd ever seen that mm-hmm. um, off season that preceded that. So it seems like it always follows this trend 
where he's doing incredible at the start. The reports are rave reviews and all of that. And then by the end of the camp, it just seems like, you know, his what for whatever reason that spark whatever you know momentum he had at the start it seems to be like a little bit more uneven energy where there's some positivity some negativity it just that whatever hype train was coming it seemed to have slowed down I'm hoping it doesn't happen this offseason but it is a trend I've noticed where the start of every offseason seems to be oh my god like full throttle he's coming and then by the end of the offseason it's like yeah he's coming but it's going to take a lot more time I hope that that train doesn't slow down this year and we'll find out. Um, but hopefully by next Monday, we should start to get a little bit, you know, the picture will come into focus a little bit more, hopefully, but either Rob, way, give I'm... me this before we go, give me okay. your prediction on one guy you think is going to have a stand. Actually, I know who you're going to say. So give me two guys who you think are going to have standout OTAs. Jair Brown, I think will be one. Okay. Uh, I, I just think he's a, going to be a damn good player just based on the kind of work scouting work the Niners did on him the fact that he was a Wilkes pick and Wilkes clearly knows what he's looking for I'm I think Jair Brown's going to be one and then if I had to go with another one on offense I guess I'll go with Trey I think I'll pick Trey I got to have you know I've got faith in the kid I want to see what he is I want to believe that the 49ers got this right I don't know for sure that they did, but I'm hoping they did. So my hope is going to make the second pick. Why? Who did you think I was going to say? No, I thought you were going to say Trey Lance. Oh, for sure. okay. And yeah. I, I think that's a good one for sure. Here's my off-season prediction for you before we go here. Because right. I know you ended the show five minutes ago. <laughs> we're still ending. <laughs> um, I think Brandon Ayuk is going to have an otherworldly off-season. I think mm. he's going to have a kind of off-season that's going to have everybody saying, Brandon Ayuk is now the best player on the 49ers offense. And that's right now. I think that player is Christian after Trent Williams, it's Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And then Debo and Kittle depends on the day, depends on their health, depends on that. Um, but I think it's going to be that. And the reason I say that is because if you've noticed a trend with the Niners, every season, a guy on a contract year who we know is a good player takes a massive step and has an amazing uh-huh. off season that projects an upcoming season. That's going to be really good. Kittles, you know, in 18 was projected. Debo's, Fred Warner's, all of them, like people can see it the offseason, like these guys have put in that work. Ayuk, I thought, had that offseason last year when he was yeah. basically the one veteran guy that was going through the entire offseason without getting hurt. And there were rave reviews. I think the fact that he didn't get the contract and the season was still kind of where, yes, he proved himself, but he didn't prove himself enough where everybody knows he's a bona fide star. Like, yeah. I think with that still being up in the air, I think this offseason is going to be even bigger on that, and I think he's going to blow up. So that's my prediction. I wonder if, you know, sometimes players can get an early beat on things. Maybe Ayuk is like, figures out early that Darnold's going to be the guy or Trey's going to be the guy. In that 40 days off they always talk about between OTAs and the start of training camp. You wonder who he works out with? Yes. Let's see who Brandon Ayuk is flying to go work out with. Just saying. He he was the only guy I felt like that really made an effort to gain some chemistry with Trey Lance right. when they weren't at official team activities. I don't know. Maybe, you know, like I said, maybe he gets a beat. Let me just say this. If all of a sudden Brandon Ayuk is starting to work out with Sam Darnold, I feel like that would be pretty damn telling, don't yeah, you? Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. 100% if he's working out with him, it would be telling. And you're right. He's got every incentive in the world to to get every advantage he can because it is a contract year. So that'd And be by the way, 
And by the way, I would like to add that we've seen the Niners change their mind on paying who they want to pay. So if he has a great season and their plan right now is we don't know if we're going to pay him, that plan can change. Remember, two years into the Debo Samuel experience, after the 2020 year, the COVID year, when they were disappointed with how he handled his foot injury and all of that, it seemed like people were saying they weren't going to pay Debo Samuel. And then Debo Samuel went and got his body right the next offseason and had an otherworldly season. (laughs) He was a first-team All-Pro, and he got paid one of the biggest contracts for a receiver. And so similar things can happen for Brandon Ayuk. I thought he really took a jump last offseason, Rob, excuse me. I was thinking of Brad Graham because he interviewed Brandon Ayuk. Do you often get me and former offensive linemen confused? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You guys look very similar. Right. Very similar. But I was thinking of him because I was thinking of the Brandon Ayuk interview, if there was any quotes that would have hinted me to this. Like I was racking my brain as I was talking. But I can't think of any on the top of my head. But I think the fact that he didn't get paid, Rob, he's coming. I hope you're right. I love him, man. I love him. And I still think there's plenty of meat left on that bone, so to speak. There's a lot of untapped potential there with Brandon Ayuk. He just needs the volume of targets some of these other guys get. So we'll see. Hopefully you're right. Hopefully they all freaking ball out, man. Let's go get number six. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Rate, review, and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your week. Mm -hmm.